very happy to share today that we have got Mr. Sanjay Kapoor, who actually need no introduction because anybody who's in telecom knows him very well. He has been a poster boy of telecom industry for a very long period. He is on the board of various companies, all leading companies. Even today, he's on board of various telecom companies. He's an investor. He is a mentor. He's a guide. I think he's playing a very, very active role. I think one person doing so many things, very, very impressive. And I always uh, feel very energized, very happy after talking to him because there's always a lot to learn from him. Uh, Sanjay, thank you very much for accepting our invitation. You have played a very pivotal role as far as telecom is concerned. I know the most difficult period, that was the time when you were the CEO of this. So. In your opinion, what are the unique challenges you think the telecom industry faces today? Because you have seen this journey all along. You have been, I think, in the initial stages, and today also you're advising a lot of companies. So what do you see? What are the challenges? Thank you so much, Arvind, for your very generous uh, introduction. Uh, I don't know how much of that I truly deserve, but thank you for uh, those great words. Uh, I can say that... Uh, you know, something that is very enigmatic about this industry is the fact that at no stage uh, in the life cycle of this business have I ever seen paucity of demand. You know, this is one industry where demand is always kept live, no matter which technology you are going through, you know, whether it's 2G or 3G or 4G or 5G or 6G tomorrow. Every time the demand has never been a crisis for any anybody. The only big challenge that has emerged with every technology in this business is this need for capital deployment. The capital deployment is deep in this industry and is a perpetual requirement, especially in a scenario which has now moved from voice to data because the appetite of a customer to consume data and digital services and now the demand for improved quality because the form factor of the content is changing and everything has gone digital. I mean, these two put together really put a very big challenge on uh, the capital deployment. And uh, what adds to this is the longevity of various technologies, technologies that used to last for eight, 10 years earlier, now last only five, six years. Therefore, the capital cycles have become much more frequent. And to deal with those Capital cycles is a big challenge that the industry faces. And this is typically one of those industries which always believes the future is very bright, right? Because to make money uh, in the current scenario and to make money as the transformation on technology happens is always something where you feel you're running on a treadmill. While I say that, uh, this is also an industry uh, which is constantly on uh, white waters. And I say that because every time the technology and the evolution of the industry has happened, uh, there are more and more people from the outside, not within the industry, from outside the industry. So whether it's the OTT players or the adjacencies that are there, they all want a share of pie of this business, right? And uh, the telecom is not only covering or trying to cover its stuff, it's also fighting these guys uh, to take away share from, uh, from this. And that's a challenge that has never been uh, dissipated uh, by the industry. And, and it continually uh, remains there. 
Also, uh, the scale factor that the industry has is a big challenge because this is the industry of scale. You can't be a niche player in this industry and survive. And the gargantuous scale that this industry has created is not without challenges. Now, uh, the benefit of all this has been that because of these challenges, this industry has really attracted talent and it attracted talent from office automation initially, from FMCG. I mean, there's hardly an FMCG company from which we did not uh, get talent from the cola companies, from advertisers, uh, from IT industry. We got people from all across. And I think these challenges turned out to be uh, the reason why people wanted to shift to something that was a lot more challenging. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, these, are the, these are the upfront challenges that I think the industry has faced and is facing continually. Sanjay, I keep uh, uh, reading your articles in the editorial page of Economics Times. It's almost week, every week there is one and uh, very interesting. And I think it covers whole perspective of the industry versus the current of topic. And you also play a very transformational role, not only for Indian companies, there are many companies, Indian companies that you are mentoring, you're guiding, you're on the board, and also international companies. So what is, in your opinion, are the opportunities in telecom industries, given the current business scenario, and also the seeing the environmental realities, you know, whatever is happening today around us, what are your advice and guidance? So uh, thank you for asking this question, uh, Arvind. Uh, to me, the first question that you asked around uh, the challenges, uh, this question is really the flip side of that, because I believe that uh, every challenge that is posed to an industry like telecom can be converted to opportunities. And I think that's uh, one way that this industry has really thrived or survived over uh, last so many decades. Um, let's come down to the uh, opportunities here. And uh, we discussed about the frequent capital cycles that this industry has faced. Now, how do you deal with that challenge? How do you convert it into an opportunity? And I think there's nobody who has done better than this industry on that whether it's cost cutting or outsourcing or making their balance sheets lighter by spinning off um, uh, the non-active components of the network. Uh, I think they've done it all. Uh, in fact, if you really look at it strategically, uh, most of the people who ran telecom earlier believed that everything in a telecom company is, is very, very uh, strategic and needs to be kept inside the company. But we turned it absolutely the other way around and said no. There are very few things that give us a competing edge and let's concentrate on that and rest everything else we will outsource. That's an opportunity that we created for others and for ourselves. Then we said that, uh, you know, we have to compete very fiercely. It's a market share game. But, you know, then we soon realized that everything in this industry, you can't compete on every aspect. There are certain aspects which you need to collaborate for the betterment of the whole industry and for your own company. And, you know, examples are there like the Indus Tower that we created. Now, Indus Tower's creation uh, was done in partnership with your fiercest competitors, right? They all came to the table, became stakeholders of the company because we were not competing on passive infrastructure. So there was no point deploying the cost three times over, four times over. And therefore, that's a collaboration versus competition that came to the table. Then I think a major transformation happened uh, with uh, moving from voice to data where from a customer satisfaction, you know, voice was all about customer satisfaction. That's all we cared for. NPS, you know, net promoter scores. But the moment you come down to data, that alone can't survive. You know, so we move from customer satisfaction to customer experience. 
right? And we started measuring experience at every level. And that's a major transformation of resources, of your dashboards, uh, of your manpower, of your capabilities. And that's a, that's a big transformation that happened. Then I think the transformation that this industry has done over time and, and opportunity that it created uh, was thinking global rather than thinking local. And it didn't happen by default, just didn't happen on its own. If you remember for a very, very long time, this industry has been over dependent on the revenues from voice and SMS. These were the only two sticky applications that were running, right? And then somebody in United States of America creates a company uh, which had a product like WhatsApp and they came and you know finished off the whole uh, SMS uh, profitability and revenue in a jiffy, right? And I think these like instances uh, made the telecoms think global to say, my next competitor, my next collaborator, my next uh, uh, you know thought could come from anywhere in the world. So I might be operating locally, but I need to think internationally and globally. And I think that's a great opportunity that came. The other opportunity that has hit this industry because of the same reason is that the industry uh, has started uh, believing that they cannot be dependent on the core access revenues. They need to create revenues from the non-core portion uh, of business. And therefore, if you look at the opportunities today, uh, most telcos are talking about cloud-based services, data centers, they're talking about security services, they're talking about IT integration services, they're talking about banking services, they're talking about entertainment services, which include gaming, etc. So I think all these to me are, are newer opportunities that come. Uh, the jury is still out. Everybody's trying hard. Uh, you know, they're trying to put their uh, game plan together. Very few have been successful, but I do not doubt the intention and the uh, muscle that is going behind all this. So I think uh, success will come, although they are fighting big guys, they are fighting hyperscalers uh, in this battle, and it's not easy to do that. So I think uh, the opportunity remains, and, and I think uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great uh, stuff. The last piece of opportunity, and we all know that this is a very heavily regulated industry, right? And regulation plays a big role. And especially with the dynamics of these OTD players and hyperscalers, there's a debate that has opened up in every part of the world, you know, saying, uh, should they be uh, paying for the levies that are there, which telecom pays for? Is there a cost sharing that can happen? Can the regulation be, uh, regulation be amended to encompass these guys into the regulation as well? I'm not saying we know which side, uh, you know, will it will it move? But the fact is that these are again opportunities. These could be collaborative opportunities. This these could be opportunities to actually compete with these guys better because now you know it it brings in the level field that you wanted as a telecom industry. So I think which whichever way you look at uh, the opportunities are galore, and uh, you know everything that went adverse for this industry has turned into an opportunity for it as it as well in future. Yeah, I think I, I remember, you know, uh, when seven CEOs, like I was also part of that delegation, you know, we were talking and we were 40 fighting about voice on WhatsApp and uh, those kind of things. But when, when we look back, you know, things have totally changed. And today, uh, that is not the only area, but I think there are multiple areas, multiple things on which we are seeing that every one, every two years, scenarios are totally changing. And in those three scenarios, you know, we have to really adopt. We have to really uh, uh, adjust ourselves. 
and accordingly, you know, like prepare our organizations to meet those challenges. And that is, I think, telecom has been doing uh, beautifully. Uh, and then in the same direction, you know, like we are hearing 5G today, like 5G is uh, giving a lot of hope, a lot of buzz around that. Uh, Sanjay, you won't believe, you know, at government level, the kind of push, the kind of, you know, environment they have created for 5G is unbelievable. Is not limited to DOT anymore. You know, like our scale ministry is all the time talking about it. You go to any state, any department, you know, they just talk about 5G. Now, you know, like 5G is a good buzzword, but in your opinion, like what are the hopes, what are the challenges, what are the difficulties, and you know, like how India will overcome that and what ultimately what gain and benefit it will bring to us? Yeah, I think I think uh, this is a uh, this is a very current and uh, uh, you know uh, now very much now type of a topic uh, for the whole world because uh, over 200 operators have gone and committed themselves to uh, migration to 5G. People are talking about standalone 5G networks, and I can understand why governments, especially in the developing part of the world, are very keen on. Uh, companies and service providers catching up with 5G. It's because there is a paucity of fiber in these countries and therefore fiber to home, very few people have. And if you have to provide a real broadband connectivity uh, to a larger ecosystem, then wireless plays probably a more uh, pervasive role. And I think that's why 5G is being touted so heavily. While I say that, um, let's look at it uh, a little dispassionately and see um, how is good? How is it going to work for us? First of all, 5G uh, is a big leap, and the whole world believes. In fact, uh, I have been associated with some global companies um, with 5G for a much longer period, more than three years now. Um, I also sit on the board of Saudi Telecom, and they've been pursuing 5G as early adopters of 5G. Um, I think uh, there are three things to be kept in mind here. First, uh, you know, uh, 5G on its own. Uh, means nothing. It, you have to peel the onion a little bit. And when I peel the onion, 5G makes sense uh, only when you have some solutioning of 5G around high speed and low latency or uh, low latency and densification of IoT. Because if you want to uh, deploy a million um, uh, Internet of Things type of devices all across, then 4G can't deal with it. 5G can deal with it. And, you know, uh, that's when it will make sense. Now, the thing that doesn't work too well right now is that it is a technology which guzzles up a lot of money because you have to put a lot of technology on the ground. And the number of uh, towers that you need to create are much more than what are generally available in the developing part of the world. We might believe or force ourselves to believe that uh, uh, we have about 250,000 towers per operator right now. And they'll suffice. I don't believe they'll suffice. They'll not suffice for a simple reason that 80% of voice was consumed outdoors and 80% of data gets consumed indoors. And to really penetrate indoors and offer a great uh, data experience and digital experience indoors, you'll have to reconfigure your networks from an inbuilding solutioning and the number of towers firing from outside will have to go up drastically. I go here simply by the experience of Chinese. Uh, if Chinese were to go by, they already have millions of towers, I, I believe about two and a half, three million towers, and they're talking about traveling it in the next three, four years. Now, if that is true, and we are not as large as China, but 
we are not too small either. Then at least the 250,000 towers stand nowhere. And the second is connecting those towers to fiber because you need backhaul for that to provide a great customer experience. And finally, no matter what, uh, radio is radio. It is a shared resource. And ultimately, it is not a complete substitute for FTTH. My own take is that whichever parts of the world uh, radio has grown, fiber has grown faster, both for providing a backhaul and providing a access to the customer because ultimately 5G will be able to take a certain amount of load, but the real experience of data, at least in homes and offices, will come through fiber connectivity. So I think we have to work on both. 5G is good for us. At, at least it gives us a start in the areas where we actually don't have uh, worthwhile broadband. But the fact is the amount of investment that is required is hell of a lot. And I don't think, um, you know, we are there. We need to run much faster. Uh, just doing a tick on the box to say we've covered X city or Y city or Z city is not important. I think here I uh, I see a lot of articles every day. We've, 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 we've gone and launched it in this city and government and regulators are also monitoring these indices to say how many towers are covered. My own take and advice on this is that I think we need to change our matrix on this. The matrix needs to change from outdoors to indoors. And the government, rather than just watching towers and the regulators just watching towers, should actually have a measure on how much of in-building have we covered. Because if we don't cover in-building, the effectiveness of 5G will not be there. Uh, the other challenge on 5G that the world faces, and this is not an India-only challenge, is around the use cases, the monetizable use cases. A lot of exhibitory use cases are there, but monetizable use cases are yet to be unearthed. And I'm not saying there's no effort. I mean, even in the current budget, the government has done various things, um, you know, various test labs. Everybody's being invited to uh, to join in, uh, you know, that opportunity which, which sits there. And it is an opportunity. But unless and until we crack those use cases, we will not be able to get returns on the 5G investment, especially in a country like ours, where spectrum is extraordinarily priced. You know, I, I deal with other uh, regulators in other parts of the world. Spectrum comes for a song compared to what Indian operators pay, and therefore they have to recover, uh, you know, what is what is required. Um, yes, uh, 5G also brings in uh, the interesting factor of various other technologies to come with it. Uh, AI comes with it, edge computing comes with it, um, you know, NLP comes with it, blockchain comes with it. A lot of uh, amalgamation of these technologies to build use cases for 5G um, will be in vogue uh, in times to come. Uh, but like I told you earlier, uh, it'll remain a challenge. It'll remain uh, um, something for which a return on investment has been, um, you know, either we are on the path of that or or we know what the end point is on that only when uh, we can justify our investments by way of uh, customer revenues and profitability. At Telecom Sector Skill Council, you know, like our biggest uh, uh, role is that, you know, you have to skill youth of this country uh, so that they get better employed, they get better jobs. Uh, those who are school college dropout, they are trained to get employed. Those who are already engineering graduates, upgrade them, do that. So keeping that in mind, uh, in your opinion, uh, what like, like, first of all, telecom is not just uh, towers and operators and all that. Telecom is a complete digital uh, part of it. So keeping that in mind, in your opinion, what is the growth or incremental demands that we'll be seeing in telecom? 
and especially now when we are talking about 5 years, 60 coming in future. So from that point of view, what are the kind of demands which should be there and youth in this country, why they should really opt for telecom as a carrier? Uh, I have no uh, qualms about uh, opportunities galore uh, for the employment markets. Um, when it comes to the infrastructure that telecom companies have created, because there are so many jobs and so many entrepreneurship opportunities that ride at the back of this virtual infrastructure, where uh, we are competing uh, uh, quite well with the rest of the world. We might have been left behind on the physical infrastructure and we are catching up now, uh, but we have a catch up game over there. Uh, fortunately, on the virtual infrastructure, the catch-up game, if at all, is very small, very incremental, and we are very contemporary on what we are trying to do. So I think this highway is going to provide opportunity to a lot of people. Now let's see uh, how do we make it happen. First of all, uh, I'd be worried about the people who've been in telecom for the last many years, uh, for a decade, for two decades, some even longer. Uh, the fact is that we require a reskilling of such like people. We need to upgrade their skills because the newer technologies, what worked earlier uh, may not work uh, uh, you know, now. And we have to identify, you know, we, can, we can keep talking about these amazing technologies that are there, uh, you know, uh, these are the fashion statements, but is your organization capable of dealing with it? Is your organization uh, adequate on some of these capabilities? And again, you're not going to manufacture everything yourself. Um, there's some make versus buy decisions you will do. And in the buy decisions, even if you give it to somebody, you need people inside the company to, to convert that to usability in your, in your organization. So I think upgrading of skills is a given. And the current talent and every organization has to figure out you know, how, to, how to deal with this uh, uh, upgrading. The second important thing is that... Um, you know, we are transforming towards non-core revenues, as I said. You know, if you're going to get revenues out of security, out of banking, out of cloud, out of data centers, and what have you, um, then, uh, you know, we need more partnerships. Uh, we need uh, more entrepreneurial uh, uh, people to come up, maybe small shops, big shops, medium shops to come and join hands with us. Uh, and also uh, on all these big bets, because my own belief is that every company will pick up these big bets. They'll say six big bets, five big bets, whatever they pick up. All six, five big bets are not going to be successful, right? Maybe two or three, you know, if you're lucky, will be successful. But to build those to a volume, build those to a competitiveness scale, you will need uh, talent, you will need partners, you will need collaborations uh, to come into it. So, you know, I think... There's a great, great opportunity for uh, entrepreneurship there, for employment there, to attract talent from other industries there. The other thing, uh, you know, which needs to be put into perspective is that in telecommunications, a lot of stuff was very hardware driven because the software was rolled into the hardware. I think now the software and hardware are getting a little distinguished in the sense that more and more components of technology and solutioning are now software based, right? And they're on open platforms. And uh, whether they're on the core side or on the radio side, my own take is that IT skills and IT capabilities will be required. Now, will you be able to attract talent from other industries to come because they you might not, might not have great growth, growth paths for them like the IT companies have, but your collaborations will go up in that case. Maybe small shops, big shops, you know, all that, uh, uh, you know, will come into play. 
so i think uh, that's another area that you required the third one uh, you know that i wish to highlight is if we have to monetize 5g type of technology 6g tomorrow uh, we know that it will not be only a b2c story it will be a large b2b story because you'll be doing solutioning for uh, corporates now traditionally most of the telcos globally are very b2c centric they're not as b2b centric right they go and, they can't go and uh, manage projects and uh, um, uh, you know go and do sales which takes 6 months and 12 months to mature like the it companies do and there are large contracts that that they that they build up you know it's not that telcos don't have uh, enterprise business but that enterprise business the mickey mouse uh, compared to what it companies do and to build those capabilities uh, you will need people to come from outside you will have to reskill your people again partnerships and collaborations will happen so there are opportunities what my overall impression is that in in the new phase relevance will supersede experience in the earlier phase we used to really look at people if they had the network experience we'll hire them if they had an x experience we'll hire them 20 years experience this level 10 years experience this level 30 years experience you can become a ceo whatever you know i think that is changing now there are people who are much younger you know and and if they are relevant to the job and they can do that job in their sleep they stand a better chance of getting that job than getting an experienced guy and retraining him so i think those are the choices that organizations have to make um you know to see whether i i need to promote relevance or i need to promote only experience the answer is not black and white this or that i think it will be a mix of the two but many jobs in my uh, understanding will go to people who are more relevant than people who are more experienced and finally and most importantly uh, uh, arvind one thing we have seen uh, over a very long period in time is telecom even after uh, 12 operators came into the market and many of them uh, had a bad ending uh, the industry collapsed at that time we never had a problem other than probably in a short run when so much of talent influx was there in the market for those guys to get absorbed ultimately to the best of my belief almost everybody got absorbed right because other industries were welcoming so i think my my uh, statement here is that telecom is an industry which believes in creating employability rather than creating employment right if you work for this sector the challenges opportunities the expanse um, uh, you know the uh, the variety that it offers i don't think employability will ever be a question so the people who really want to uh, join this industry need to join with a open minded stance that uh this is an industry which even if i was to go wrong it did not offer me employability and a career in the long run uh, 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 uh employment in the long run employability will never be a question mark so i think uh, and that's a that's a big promise that somebody can can get i have always believed that uh, at least to me employability is more important than employment I think that is the best possible quote <laughs> we have got in today's uh, interaction. Uh, maybe just one or two lines on uh, uh, guidance to the youth, how they can get international placements. Right, <laughs> telecom uh, is so strong. India is managing uh, uh, managed services for 150 countries based out of India, but also you know like youth everywhere is reducing in those countries. How Indian youth can go? Should they go skilled from here, or they should take special skilling training? so maybe one or two lines around that um yes i mean um, you know this internationalized uh, uh, stuff is becoming a little bit of problem uh, especially with this uh, 
protective uh, uh, economics, uh, you know, which is prevailing. Every every country wants to promote talent within, and uh, you know, there are many countries who don't want too many expats to come in. Uh, visas to some countries have become a problem. But uh, uh, this is this is one side of the story. The other side of the story is that uh, you can do many jobs, uh, not physically present at a location. You can work from anywhere and still be a part of a global organization. Um, uh, I think, first of all, uh, India will be a great market for jobs itself because we are going to grow um, by every stretch of imagination faster than most countries of the world. And if that is true, then the opportunities here uh, are going to be galore. And the consumption base that we have and the transformation that will happen will not be second to anybody else uh, in the world. But still, uh, Indians have always... Uh, gained a lot of momentum outside and acceptability outside with so many global CEOs coming uh, from Indian origin. Um, uh, you know, uh, this must be motivating a lot of people to look outside. My own take is that uh, uh, finding a job uh, anywhere in the world or in a company of choice uh, is only an outcome. Uh, I think uh, what you have to invest is in yourself. You know, if you are somebody who's uh, looking at a career, whether internal or global, uh, you still need to write your CV every year. You write your CV every year and see, uh, you know, are you contemporary? Are you competitive? Are you growing versus the last CV that you wrote? And if you're not growing, then you need to upgrade yourself, upgrade your skills, you know, and for that to be waiting for a job and, you know, fit yourself to that should not. I think you should do it for things that you like doing things you uh, have a natural flair for. And if you are able to invest your resources and your time mostly uh, to upgrade your skills to be more relevant to the world, uh, I think uh, that's what will keep you uh, keep you safe. Um, yes, opportunities will, will come. I mean, these days, uh, you know, all big companies and global companies actually hire only through online. If there's a job posting, they transparently put it online. And if you don't apply online, actually, they don't even have a physical way of applying in most companies. You know, all the hyperscalers do the same. Uh, most large companies have started doing it. So I think the process is a lot more transparent now. You know, it is it is not a process where somebody will just get hired and, you know, uh, they've not evaluated uh, the talent uh, elsewhere. So I think that way it, it's a lot of transparency, but focus on yourself, focus on what you like doing, invest on things that you like doing, don't try to get into uh, a terrain which is not, uh, uh, which doesn't come natural to you, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, so build up those areas which which you naturally are inclined towards and which you which will make you happy. I think that's the most important thing. But being competitive, being contemporary in that happiness area is also uh, important. You know, I always believe do what you feel like doing, but be very good at it. I know that you are one of the very good singer I've seen. You're like so many times I've heard you. So, what is your uh, most favorite song? Uh, songs can, uh, you know, they can't be one song. I'm, a, I'm a, uh, I'm a old 60s, 70s, 80s type of music. Uh, you know, Hindi, Bollywood music type of a person. That's what I like. And in that genre. Um, you know, I think uh, there can't be one song uh, which Prince, which, Prince, which Prince, takes me, but a Prince, but, but a singer. You know, I would I would say uh, the singer who who's my super favorite is Mohammad Rafi. 
of course, I like Kishore Kumar and Talat Mahmood and Mukesh and Mahinder Kapoor, but I think Mohammad Rafi is my my top pick. So, one oh. song which is like this day or this week's favorite on your mind? Uh, I mean, it's very, 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 very difficult to, uh, you know, uh, uh, really point out a, a song. And, um, you know, I, it's it just out of, uh, um, you know, my, my passion for music that anything that, you know, comes to my mind, I start humming it uh, sometimes. And, uh, you know, I, I really have not had the time this week to, to think of a song, really. Okay, your first yeah, yeah. mobile phone. My first mobile phone was an Ericsson phone, good, right? Good. Uh, uh, um, uh, yeah, a clamshell design. Very good. And have you used anything other than Airtel SIM? No, I, I, I can't. You know, uh, I, you know that's a company that uh, runs through my uh, DNA, and uh, you know, I, I've never had uh, an inkling to move away from uh, the company that I've been a part of. So, do you have any story about the infamous Airtel jingle? Um, so, um, you know, um, Airtel's jingle story started with the uh, Harek friend Zaruri Hota. Uh, you know, and uh, uh, then after that, it got a sequel, Jo Tera Hai, Wo Mera Hai. You know, and these two um, uh, are really legendary jingles. I think uh, even today, when, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, uh, you know, uh, go through these jingles uh, and they are stored on my my phone. Uh, it is nostalgic. And if I talk to people outside, uh, these are two jingles that people have never forgotten. So I think this jingle story came because you know we were we were really wanting to distinguish ourselves in the marketplace uh, at a large scale and uh, uh, become very relevant to the youth. And I think uh, uh, this form of advertising and these two jingles did wonders for us. Any book you are reading? Uh, you, like? you know, uh, uh, to be honest, uh, um, I have not been reading a book uh, uh, lately. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, what I have uh, um, been spending time on uh, uh, recently is uh, following uh, Gita a little bit, and I'm trying to decipher that, um, uh, you know, so... Um, um, you know, other than that, uh, just the business routine uh, that I go through. I'm an avid reader. I read a lot of newspapers, articles, publications, but not going through any particular book at the moment. One piece of advice you like to give to the youth of this nation? Yes, I think uh, I, I always uh, uh, have believed that uh, follow your passion and uh, uh, do things that you are passionate about. And the people who are able to convert their passion, hobbies into their professions are the happiest people that I've seen in the world. So, Sanjay, I think it has been really great. Uh, I, I think I enjoyed it thoroughly and I'm very sure everybody will be loving to uh, go through this uh, episode. Uh, last, just uh, your piece of advice to Telecom Sector Skill Council, to all of us, you know, like what we should do to make this nation a very, very great nation. No, so Arvind, first of all, uh, congratulations. You guys are uh, trying hard and doing a good job. Um, this is the need of the art. I think uh, our country uh, needs to create a lot many more jobs uh, because we are a young nation. We are going to be producing a fleet of people every year, and we need good, engaging, paying jobs for these guys. 
so you guys are doing absolutely a stupendous job um i think um um one of the challenges that any skill council uh, faces is how do you make sure that you are able to upgrade people you know at the end of the day people aspire to get bigger salaries bigger responsibilities and i think uh, um for that uh, the skill council has to be uh, very heavily integrated with the business models of uh, um, various uh, ecosystem players in the market i think uh, you are one person who comes from that background you are well integrated but i think your skill council at large should take decisions on where to invest your time and your energies uh, by keeping your ears and eyes uh, uh, on the ground with respect to how the business is transforming for these guys uh, there is no fun in uh, you know developing skills which are abstract and uh, out of vogue and uh, you know that's just a basic uh, uh, you know advice that i would have for uh, your council but keep up the good work and my best wishes are with you thank you very much for uh, such a valuable inputs from your side thanks a lot thank you thank you so much Thank you.